Hello and welcome to Autism in Color with Siobhan and LaBecky. And we are back from our hiatus for the holidays. And we had the opportunity to spend time with family and just kind of decompress and to reflect on uh, the shows that we've done over the past, what, six, seven months? That's correct. And think about some things that we want to bring this year. We're going to set it off right from the door. And that's, let's talk about autism. Yes. And I hope that our listening audience has had the opportunity to listen to the different shows that we've posted and they're able to reflect on some of the stories. And if they have questions or concerns, they can reach out to us via email or they can give us a call, right? Right. Absolutely. And our email address is autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. Again, that's autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. And what's our phone number, LeBecky? 704-835-3605. That's 704-835-3605. Let's get to it. We want to start off with talking about what is autism spectrum disorder? Those are some big words. (laughs) Right. And according to the Center for Disease Control here in the United States, autism spectrum disorder is a developmental disability that can cause significant social communication and behavioral challenges. So it causes these challenges. And how do these challenges manifest? So you will find that people who are on the spectrum and they categorize autism in five different categories. Mm -hmm. But I remember when my son was diagnosed, first he was diagnosed with severe autism and I don't know what umbrella that fell under. But later on, he was diagnosed with pervasive developmental disorder. Mm -hmm. And it's just a higher level I guess, of autism. He was no longer on the lower end. He had mm-hmm. moved up to the higher end. So higher end, meaning which one is more severe? Would, if, you, if you're at a higher end of autism, would you be have more severity in symptoms? Or if you were at the lower end of, of the autism spectrum, would you have more severe, you know? Right. At the, at the lower end. So at the lower end, you have, you may not have communication. You gotcha. may, yeah, there's no communication, inability to like understand what's going on, or mm-hmm. you may have behaviors that are just, I don't want to say out of this world, but like what? Because you have some kids who are headbangers, right? They might be headbangers. They may have a lot of stimulation, right? So I don't want to say, mm-hmm. so I don't want to use the word, um, I, I don't want to use the word behaviors that's out of this world, but they, they, they have a lot of stimulation going. So it's like electricity going through their body and they may not have no control over how their body responds to whatever is stimulating them in their right. environment. So they might bang their head may, or, or hit themselves. Right throw things, smear whatever on the walls, Mm -hmm. um, just because they have no sense of how to regulate that, Mm -hmm. right? 
It's kind of like a migraine. Okay, okay. So I know that they have the, um, the what is it, DSM-5, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, which is where they put all the different diagnoses for, um, we see, mental health, right? What are the criteria for autism spectrum disorder? They have a level one, a level two, and a level three. Level one requires minimal support, right? So you have that level one, they may be able to hold a conversation. They may, they may be able to speak in sentences. They may be able to go through school as well, go through school, go to their classes and do the work. However, they still have those challenges where they may be used to going to Sam's Club. So we have Sam's Club here. And prior to the pandemic, you could go to Sam's Club and they had food on every aisle pretty much. And if you had Susie there on Wednesdays and she was giving out meatballs, right? Oh, so, so they had like, like demonstrations and stuff like that? Yes. The samples. The samples, exactly. They were giving out samples of the different food that they were trying to get you to purchase, pretty much. Gotcha. And so if 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 James is used to going there on Wednesdays at five o'clock, and now he gets there and Susan is not there, like she's not there today because she's out, then that could be a problem for that level one. Although he's he or she is able to communicate with you that level of understanding some, sometimes can be diminished because they're still on the autism spectrum, right? right? Or it might be upsetting to them. Right, upsetting, it could trigger stimulation. And when I say stimulation, it might be, or it can trigger a meltdown, mm-hmm. right? And they might start to stem, like moving their fingers or whatever it is that they do, their body might react in a different way because now they have to, because everything is done in order and they like to know what's next, what's next. Now, mm-hmm. what's next? And why didn't we know, right? Gotcha. Or that same kid, he might not like the color orange. And so today his mother is wearing orange. It's like, hey, how could you be wearing orange when I don't like the color? So he's not able to maybe speak it out, although he has language. Mm-hmm. But because they have language, sometimes it can be harder for them to express themselves, right? Mm -hmm. They will eventually get it out, but it may take a little while. You might have to ask some more clarifying questions. Right. And so when you start asking questions, that's another thing. You may have to form those questions differently until they understand what you are asking. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's for the level one. Right. What is level two autism spectrum disorder of autism spectrum disorder? Level two requires substantial support. So it says level two children tend to have very narrow interests and engage in repetitive behaviors. Okay. That can make it difficult to that can make it difficult for them to function in certain situations. So I know one way, one way that I've seen that happen is where 
um, the young person or the person with autism has, like you said, specific interests. And that's what they want to talk about. So it's hard for them to do like that turn taking, like we're having a conversation where we go back and forth. They'll just go on and on and on about what they're talking about or what they're interested in and not really take heed to the rules, <laughs> the rules of engagement when it comes to, uh, you know, a two person conversation. So they just go on and on and on and you don't, you can't get a word in edgewise sometimes maybe. And, and, and I think that that happens more so in the, the, the level one, but with the level two, mm -hmm. because they don't have the language so much, it's difficult for them to just stay on task at one particular thing, right? And so, because they don't understand what you're saying, they may pace back and forth, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes they may mm -hmm. say the same thing over and over and over again, right? They may pace back and forth or, uh, like I said, say the same thing over and over again, just repeat phrases that they may have heard or just words that they like hearing themselves say. How about that? And that, that can make it socially awkward. That can make it difficult for them to engage with other people or for other people to kind of engage with them to break whatever that cycle is that's going on with them at that moment. Right, because you have to remember because they have narrow interests. Because at this at this point, they may not know what their interests are. What am mm -hmm. I interested in? When it's hard for me to focus on one thing, so I go from toy to toy to toy to toy, right? To toy, <laughs> to toy, right? Mm -hmm. And level two, they may struggle with nonverbal cues. Okay. So what are some nonverbal cues that they may have problems with? Facial expression. Okay. So it's hard to recognize when someone's frustrated or sad or angry. Right. That kind of thing. Right. Right. I like the fact that those who are on the spectrum get to go into their world, right? So you might see them smiling and laughing and like, hey, why are they smiling and laughing? Because whatever is going on within them, they're happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know uh, th that one young man, that's the question that he asked the, uh, the young man. I forget his dad's name, but he has autism and he goes, are you happy? Oh, right. He always asks. <laughs> that's right. That's his catchphrase, isn't it? Are that's you happy? Is. Are you happy? That is and his he, catchphrase. And he waits for an answer too. That's all he says. Are you happy? Are you but happy? What a question, though. That's such an awesome question. I love that that's his, his thing, you know? Because it, it'll make you stop and think. So, Dad, like, even if you have a funky face on, or if you are angry or upset about something, are you happy? It's like you can't help but kind of go to a happier place in your brain, you know? Right. That can be mood-altering. Right. But, for him, God. <laughs> I think his name is Cabe. Cade. But the thing is, he knows to wait for your answer. And if you don't answer in a timely fashion, he will walk away and come back. And ask you again. And ask again. And looking <laughs> at you, right? Looking at you, but looking away all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I love that. Are you happy? So now we've done level, level one, level two. Tell us a little bit about level three, autism. 
Level three requires very substantial support. So persons with level three autism have problems expressing themselves both verbally and non-verbally and can make it very hard to function, interact socially, and deal with a change in focus or location. Engaging in repetitive behaviors is another symptom of level three. And persons with level three will only respond to direct social approaches from other people. Okay, so they won't necessarily initiate conversations. Right. And you have to, and you when have they, to kind of get in their space and in their face in order to help them understand that you're talking to them. Right, and when they do so, sometimes it's awkwardly. Okay. And I want to ask, ask the audience and also ask yourself, have you ever been in the presence of someone and they want you to see something and they go and they point towards it? What do you do? Do you look at the person's finger or do you look at the item or the location where they may be pointing to? I know. I I think in general, we kind of look in the direction to where they're pointing. So to see what it is they might be pointing at. Right. Do you know that a person with autism will look at your finger? Right. So they look at your finger. They look at your finger pointing. They Mm -hmm. they will not necessarily look at the item that you're pointing to. So sometimes you may have to go and touch that item, walk Mm -hmm. towards that item or gear their eyes in the direction in which you want them to look. That makes sense. That's kind of like when you gave Christopher the fidget spinner and you spun it, you you spun it. Yeah, you spun it. Is that? I can't think of it. Anyway, you use the fidget spinner in the way that we typically see people use the fidget spinner and gave it to him and told him to do it. And what did he do? I gave it. Right. So I was spinning it. I, I was spinning it, spinning it, spinning it. And I he was watching me spin it. And then I gave him the fidget spinner. And I was like, let me see you spin it. Why is it? that he spent the middle part of the fidget spinner where you put your two fingers, right? To hold it, to spin the entire thing. (laughs) He held the thing and he spent the middle part. I was like, okay. This guy. (laughs) So I was like, okay, so that's how his brain works. And more so that part did spin as well. It sure did. So it it showed me. It has to spin in order, if it's going to spin one way, it's got to spin the other way as well, right? Because, or it wouldn't be a fidget spinner. It wouldn't spin at all. It's true. It's true. I love that, that he did that because who would, who would think to do that? Only his, you know, brilliant mind. I love it. Exactly. He kept doing it. I was like, holy cow. This is off the hook. So in our conversations with, with, um, the family members that we've had the opportunity to speak with, we've talked about some signs and symptoms of children as well as adults who have autism, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and if we can touch on a few of those things that we, we know about and we've heard our parents speak about. Mm-hmm. Well, I know one um, very famous young man by the name of Christopher Rowe. And uh, I know one, uh, one behavior that has been shared 
with me several times um, by his mom is the fact that he loved Thomas the Tank Engine and he would line up his, his trains that he received. And if you took those trains out of whatever order he determined they needed to be in, or you moved it out of the line that it was supposed to be in, he would replace it. He wouldn't say anything to you per se, but he would walk up to it and fix it in the way that he thought it should be. So, you know, that I think that's brilliant in and of itself. Doesn't seem like he got upset or angry about it, did he? No, he just tipped right on over there and put it back in the order in which it was supposed to be or that he had it in. And then he go about his business. Then he went about his business looking over his shoulder, making sure that you're not pushing it out of place again. Okay. <laughs> oh my God, that was so long ago. We had, a, <laughs> we had another parent who's, who spoke about how her son taught himself how to do sign language. Mm, and mm-hmm. so now once he, he, he's taught himself, he expects her to understand what he was saying. And so therefore she had to learn a little something about sign language as well. So he pushed her out of her comfort zone. Right. And right. forced her to learn. Right. To try to understand what he was talking about. That's beautiful. And see, and that plays into personality as well, you know? Okay. How so? Because, you know, I think we, well, I know that we all have a personality, right? And according to the powers that be, personality is formed through genetics, right? Mm-hmm. But for me, I believe personality falls under the horoscope or zodiac, if you will, that you were born under. And I think that it plays into who you are. Okay. So right? it probably has a piece in the pie too. Right. It has a piece in the pie too, how you grow up, you know, those who you are surrounded by and, and their way of thinking plays a part right and your zodiac sign people you grow up around play a part in your world view right absolutely the the world around you you know did these people go out and go to different places go to museums or did they just stay stay in the house all day every day that will show up in how you get out and go around or not (laughs) you know now you could be that kid that will stay in the house with the family, or you could be that kid with once the, the first day they let you out of the house, you're not coming back. You're going to be in, in museums and all over the place. So that, and that part I think is the personality part, you know? Right. Because you, when you have that kid who is on the spectrum and you, you may find that they might have a, that sense of humor, this great sense of humor, they might be sensitive they might be agitated, right? They might be good speakers. They might, you know, uh, they, they, they're leaders in their own right. And you may think because my kid has autism, he's, he's unable to do these things when in fact they can because that's their personality and personality traits are big. Absolutely. And interest. So particularly if it's something that they're interested in, they could probably talk, talk to you about it all day and they might not be a, much of a speaker in general, but when you get on that topic, they'll talk your head off. 
Right. And they, and, and they could be um, good writers as well. Because when you think about writing, you think that I remember like when the lady told me that, you know, Chris would never know I left the room. Well, I have to, I have to beg to differ with her right now because, you know, when he wants to know where I'm at, he texts me. Right. And if I, if I text the word incorrectly or it's the wrong, um, and I use words in the wrong context. Is that right? Yes. He will write me back and tell me that I'm using broken English. And so <laughs> for, for him, he's aware of the English language and the phrases, the phrases we should use as, as far as periods and question marks and exclamation points and commas, especially a comma. Oh my God. He is grammatically on point. Okay. Okay. So nothing was lost on him. <laughs> no, not at all. And, and, you know, it makes me wonder, you know, and that's when I, that's when I come back to personality, right? So he falls under Aries and Aries are known to be good writers, right? At least I think so. Mm-hmm. That's their trait, grammar, right? Mm-hmm. Just like that Libra, grammar, and the fact that he'll the fact that he'll text you back to let you know that you were use you were grammatically incorrect is the smart ass in him. <laughs> right. And then he wants me to correct it before he responds to me. That's the thing. <laughs> Out of control. You got to love it. Yeah, you got to love it. You know, because that's that's they are who they are. Regardless of the autism diagnosis. Right. Absolutely. So it, it, it plays a part in that. I'm sure you all have seen that commercial with, I think it's a Taco Bell commercial and you have the two women and you have the one that's the Virgo and she cuts the taco, the, the taco. I have a hard time saying taco, taco, you know, you know what I mean, right? So she cuts it in half and the Libra says to her, oh, that's a Virgo thing. And then the Virgos, says something to the the Virgo says something to the Libra about how she goes about eating it and how she she is indecisive how she wants to eat hers right and so they bring in so that's exactly what I'm talking about here so it's all it's all personality right they both get it eaten I'm sure right whether (laughs) one eats it whole or the other one eats half and half right Right. Piece by piece, bit by bit. Some people cut their hamburgers in half. Some people just take it to the head. (laughs) So we're going to take a brief pause for the cause and we're going to come right back with Autism in Color. Hello, world. This is your girl, Siobhan, from Autism in Color, streaming on Google, Spotify, Apple, and iHeart Podcasts. If you have a story you'd like to tell about autism spectrum disorder and you'd like to join us for one of our autism talks, drop us a line at autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. Again, that's autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. Or you can give us a call at 704-835-3605. We're waiting to hear from you because here at Autism in Color, we are keeping autism on the table and in the conversation. Welcome back to Autism in Color. 
with LeBecky and Siobhan. All right. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about the uh, diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder. What else can you tell us? I can give you some signs and symptoms of autism spectrum disorder. Okay, so let's hear it. These signs and symptoms that you're about to hear can occur in children as well as adults with ASD or maybe adults who have not been diagnosed, right? Mm -hmm. So we talked earlier about pointing, pointing to objects and them following your finger, persons with ASD following your finger rather than looking to where you're pointing. Also, if you are with a person with ASD and maybe a, a plane is flying over, they may not necessarily notice the noise or point and say, hey, you know, a, there's a plane. Mm -hmm. People with ASD have trouble relating to others or may not have an interest in what other people are doing at all, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times eye contact, yeah, eye contact can be hard. Mm -hmm. They have trouble understanding people's feelings or talking about their own feelings, right? You ask mm -hmm. him, oh, how are you doing today? I know sometimes I ask Chris, how are you doing today? He might say shy. Yeah. Well, you know, what does that shy means, mean? Right. Oh, this was a biggie for him when he was little. Prefer not to be held. Really? So how, how did he show that? What would he do? He would pull away or maybe cringe. I was going to say he would look uncomfortable if you went to like reach for him. Right. Because sometimes persons on the spectrum do not like to be touched. That's hard for them because it might feel like something is crawling on them. Right. Mm -hmm. It might feel like pins and needles are sticking them. We don't know. We know that persons on the spectrum, they do not like labels to be in their clothing parents have to cut those labels out of t-shirts so we're so glad to to the manufacturers out there the parents like myself who have kids on the spectrum we are so happy that you all did away with those little labels that used to be in t-shirts and underwear the sewing labels right those sewing labels now so now they just kind of they would print the name onto the fabric itself Right, the sizes. The sizes are just printed onto the fabric. There's nothing moving or sticking you, right? Our kids could not tolerate that. That's why you'll find some kids, they don't like hats. They may not like hats. They may not like socks. They may not like t-shirts, right? Wow. There, there are so many things that wow. those on the spectrum do not like because of the texture of the, the item. So that tactile sensitivity. Right. You might find that they like crunchy things as well. Everything that they eat has to be crunchy. They have to hear that crunch, mm -hmm. right? It goes back to tactile, right? Right. And it might be how it sounds in their head, how it feels in their teeth. Right. I mean, I think honestly, it's probably very similar to everybody else, but it's just more on, a, it's more extreme perhaps, because I think we all like crunchy things. Well, not that we all, but some people like crunchy things. Some people don't like crunchy things, you right. know, so we, we all have, and that goes back to personality preferences, things that, you know, may have, that they may have been born with, you know, that just kind of got more um, specific as they got older. Right. That's true. But their sensitivity is, the, the volume is so much higher. It's right. So much higher in there in their system it's in their goes, world 
right? Mm-hmm. It goes it goes back to the, that that migraine. You know, if you've ever experienced a migraine and everything is hypersensitive to you, the noise, the light, the smell. So imagine walking around like that all the time, all the time, right? They may be unaware when people talk to them, but respond to other sounds. And and so uh, to the listening audience, I refer back to my son because this, this, this was a biggie for, for, for us. I remember there was this lady who worked at the bank and every time we would see her, she would speak to him. She was just taken in by him. Right. And he would never say anything. Sometimes he would look at her and other times he wouldn't look away, but she always made a point to speak to him. And one day we were at the McDonald's in the mall and she was with someone else, another woman, and she spoke to him. And again, he said nothing. But this other woman said, why are you continuing to speak to him? And he won't say anything to you. He heard you. And that was before we got this diagnosis of autism. So miss, no, he didn't. Okay. Mind your business. Right. Maybe he didn't, all the time. he didn't know how to respond. He was just like, whatever. And that was very interesting because it says, um, they get people with autism can appear to be unaware when people speak to them mm-hmm. but respond to other sounds. They're very, they can be very interested in people, but not know how to talk, play, or relate to them, right? Mm-hmm. They repeat or echo words or phrases said to them. Mm-hmm. If you have a child with autism and they watch the credits after every movie or TV show, oh my God. <laughs> they got to see it all. They have to see it all. And if they listen to cartoons or whatever shows they watch, you better know they picking up a phrase. That's just like the young man we were talking about when he says, are you happy? He got that from somewhere and he likes it. So he says it all the time. It's great. And guess what? It's okay. I think that's a tagline we all can adopt going around asking people, are you happy? I love it. I love it. I know um, with Christopher, there have been times when I've been around him and like he'll just kind of be stuck on a particular part of a particular song and he'll run that thing back eight million times. He won't even be singing it. He'll just play that same tune, that same part of the song, that same lyric, whatever it is, over and over and over again. Until I'm like, Chris, like, oh, you're driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then he'll stop. But yeah, he, there's something about it. There's something about that particular thing that he just, he likes. And you'll see him, he'll be sitting there smiling, listening to it. And um, it, it's just, this is what's working for him right now. That's what he's into at this moment. He used to do that a lot. More mm-hmm. so than now. Oh my God, you're right. You used to drive me crazy. I'd be like, okay, that's enough. (laughs) Please. You're killing me, kid. Sometimes a person on the spectrum may have trouble expressing their needs using typical words or emotions, not play. Oh, another thing is with little kids, they do not know how to play pretend, right? (laughs) So we... So we all used to play with the little cars. Like we were running into each other and bumping, knocking each other off the road. No. You won't get that. Is there anything that they would do instead? They might spin the wheels on the car. 
<laughs> it's not funny, but that's how they that's how they engage with the car, right? But they, they don't they won't crash the car, right? And they may not roll it on the floor. They may turn it over and spin the wheels with their hands, right? So that's their way of engaging, and it's it's not wrong. No, it's, it's their way. Another way, right? They showing us another way. How about that? They will repeat actions over and over and over again, kind of what we were talking about. Have trouble adapting to routine changes, right? Mm-hmm. Routine changes. Like, you know, some of us have to be introduced. We have to introduce our kids on the spectrum to change. Because change is not easy. I mean, I think that goes for all kids. Like, it, or anybody really. It's, things are better if, if we can know what to expect, right? But with kids with autism, it's that much more. Yes, because if you change the routine, there's going to be a meltdown. That can be a trigger for something else, right? They need it to be the same. Right. And if if it's not going to be the same, you need to make them aware of it before the change, right? Kind of like break it down for them, tell them about it, introduce them to the change, especially if you know beforehand. Because if not, you can have a whole situation on your hand, right? We talk about antecedent, right? What antecedent is what? What happened before the behavior? Right. What things triggered them? What what was going on in the environment that could have set them off? Right. And it could be change. And kids with autism have, even adults, have unusual reactions to the way things smell, taste, look, feel, or sound. So I think that a good, a good way to look at it is there's lots of signs and symptoms that people with ASD have. Um, they don't have them all necessarily, but they'll have these, few of these, a few of those, and they're sprinkled with their own special <laughs> brand of, of ASD. And, um, you know, Becky and I always recommend for people to get their kids tested. If you see anything that's, you know, anything is amiss, something that doesn't appear to be going right or something was going right. And then all of a sudden, you know, they like they were talking and then all of a sudden they stopped talking. That's something that we've heard a lot of, right? Right, right. And we've talked about, so that there's a difference between the, what you may see in a young child and what you may see in an adult. And in a young child, remember, they call it echolalia, right? Okay. What is that? That's repeating of phrases over and over and over again, playing okay. with toys the same way. I talked about how instead of rolling a car, a kid with on the spectrum will play with the wheels, have upset, obsessive interests, right? Like the Thomas the Tank Engine. Flaps hands, rocks back and forth, bangs their heads, spins self in circles. These are all signs and symptoms that your baby or toddler may have. Autism spectrum disorder. They may be somewhere on the spectrum. Right. So something that I, I thought of was the earlier the diagnosis, the better the prognosis, right? So the earlier you get your child tested, the, the more services can be put in place and their outcomes could be better versus, you know, waiting and praying it away or, you know, 
believing other people or listening to these people and those people about what's not wrong with your child. If you feel that something is going on that does not make sense or is not what you recognize as normal, then you need to talk to their pediatrician and get some answers, get some testing done and get some answers so that you can put the pieces in place for your child to have the best outcomes that they possibly can. Would you agree? I would definitely agree. All right. But there are some other characteristics that I thought of. Oh, I'm listening. That you Do know, tell. <laughs> that might include that they're on the spectrum. You know, we talked about delayed language, but they may have delayed movement. Might indicate that they're on the spectrum. Right. That might indicate that they're on the spectrum. And they might have delayed language skills, delayed movement skills, delayed cognitive and learning skills, hyperactivity, impulsive, inattentive behavior, epilepsy, seizure, mm, mm-hmm. unusual eating habits and mm-hmm. sleeping habits, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Both they of those insomnia, things. Are- they can't sleep. Right. And if you've listened to our shows, We've had different parents express about the unusual eating, mm-hmm. right? They may not eat anything. They might only eat nuggets and that's it. French fries, right? Mm-hmm. Mood swings, emotional reactions, anxiety, stress, excessive worry, lack of fear or fear everything. So if you are a parent of a child that's on the spectrum, you must be in tune to your child. Absolutely. You have to be. Gastrointestinal issues is common. A lot of stomach problems. Yes. Example, constipation. And they may not be able to express it. You just have to know. Take heed to when they're, you know, their bathroom behaviors. Are they going to the bathroom less than usual? You know, are they, are they having, a, are they pushing hard? Are they straining to go to the bathroom? Right. Um, are, they, are they rubbing at their stomach? Mm-hmm. Right. If you notice blood on the tissue. Mm-hmm. If they're getting, um, what are those? And, Hemorrhoids. Right. And when you talk about anxiety and stress, you know, are they acting out because of something that's around them that's stimulating them? Are they flapping their hands? Are they rocking back and forth? Are they spinning in the circle? Is it something that they fear? Yeah, check out what's going on in their environment. Right, Who, who've they been around? Maybe they're around someone they don't like, but they can't tell you, hey. Maybe it's the smell. Maybe there's a smell right. that reminds them of something else that is upsetting. Right. You really have to take into account so many things. And I mean, and I think that, you know, a lot of what we're talking about is true for everybody to some extent. But again, it is amplified when you have autism spectrum disorder. And the mere fact you are you or I, if we were experiencing that, we can say, hey, this is what's going on. This is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm feeling. And you can remove yourself. Absolutely. But a person on the spectrum may not be able to express the feeling that's occurring. So they might get angry and start showing you that they're upset in a different way. Right. They might start throwing stuff. 
They might start banging on the wall. Or hitting themselves. Right. Exactly. Throwing their body on the floor. So you have to pay attention. This is really about being attentive, like Becky said. This was a lot of information. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and this is, this is, you know, the first one for this next stretch of time that Autism in Color will be on. And we are going to bring you new families, some, some new, some old, get some updates. We got a lot of stuff planned for you. So please, please, please remember to keep checking us out. We're back on and we'll be putting out some new shows. We hope you continue to like, subscribe, and share our content because this is important. It's important for people to know, okay? Like, subscribe, and share. Like, subscribe, and share. All right, love you. Thanks. Our mission and purpose for Autism in Color is giving a voice to people of color who have autism, or loved ones with autism, giving them a space to share their unique experiences, challenges, and triumphs because autism comes in colors. And if you want to be a part of our show, we're asking you to reach out to us at autismandcolorinfo at gmail.com. That's autismandcolorinfo at gmail.com. And we can be reached by phone at 704 325-9706. That's 704-325-9706. And we want to hear from you because at Autism in Color and Let's Talk About It, the Autism Center, we are keeping autism on the table and in the conversation. And we want you to be a part of that conversation. That conversation. That conversation. That conversation.